Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Book of Daniel, written 605 before Christ. It's written by Daniel. The common theme, as summarized by the ESV Study Bible, <laughs> is the sovereignty of God in human affairs. And he will direct. He is ultimately in control. No matter what nation think they are in control, God is in control. It is what the revelation is to the New Testament. It is to the Old Testament. So it's an apocalyptic book. I think Lainey mentioned it last week. Got some, some hectic stuff in there. It covers a huge amount of things. It covers purpose and destiny. It covers oppression. It covers how God uses a, a bad nation to, to discipline a good nation. It covers things like angels and what we believe on it. It covers the end of time. It references the beginning of time. It sets God up as the revealer of all mystery. Want to understand Daniel more? And listen to us. Read it with the Holy Spirit. It will be revelation for you in Daniel. I promise you that. Daniel has got some controversies about it. I think Lane's also mentioned. But chapter 1, let me see if I get... Yeah, yeah, one is written in Hebrew. So the language of the people. Then he goes over to Aramaic, which was the spoken language of the time. 2 to 6 and 7 to 11 is written, that's written in, in, in Aramaic. And then 12, he ends up again in Hebrew. So it's, some people are saying this is the reason why we can't say Daniel wrote the book of um, Daniel. So the authorship they're putting down to what language it is written on. Do you know that, I don't know, I read David Baldacci from time to time. Do you know whether I read in Afrikaans or English, he's the author? If it's translated in, in, in German or Dutch, he still remains the author. So don't get caught up in this, this uh, tussle on who wrote it. Ultimately, God wrote it. Okay. They say he can't have written the book because there's too much like, accuracy in how he predicted what we now see as history. And I'm saying, yeah, with Wikipedia, we can all shoot holes in whatever we want to. Hey, just Google this and that and boom, yeah, no, that's not true. Done. Discredit it. Don't get stuck in the, the, the discrediting or the, the supporting of the thing. Just get, get stuck in what God is saying to you when you read the book of Daniel. So this morning we're going to look at chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. You guys there? A lot of, a lot of passage to read, yeah. I felt this morning I was prepping a message. I wanted to speak to us about promotion in God. And in my prepping, God did not change my message this morning at 3 o'clock. <laughs> in the week, He changed me. And, and we're going to do a little something that I don't like that much, but it's alliteration. Literary scholars here, what does it mean? A couple of points starting with the same consonant. Am I right? We're going to do the P's in Daniel. So not green little ones, the actual letter P. <clears throat> but first, let's go to Daniel 1 verse 17. I think it's probably the, one of the key ones. Are you there? In the ESV, it reads as follows. As for these four youths, 
God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Before God, we are all young ones. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, oh, well, I'm in my 60s, maybe I'm not a young one. Compared to God, you are a spring chicken. May we as, as Limbronians be always before God as young ones who he gives learning and instruction and wisdom all the time. May we never be a people that say we have arrived. So let's, let's go on this journey together today. The first P I'm going to talk about is the pleasure of God. Pleasing God. The second P is promotion in God. The third one is the protection of God. The fourth one is prosperity in God. And then the last one, it ultimately leads to prophetic insight in God. See how clever I did that. Lots of peace. <clears throat> but that's not all. So the first one, pleasure of God. And that's Daniel chapter 1 and 2. You guys know, Lainey explained to us last week how how they decided not to conform to societal pressures. And they decided not to seek the pleasures of themselves, which I promise you, if you are in the, the palaces of a king, they are, they are rife, they are everywhere. What is dished up to us in society is you don't even have to bother nowadays with Googling porn. You can just switch on to certain channels. And what used to be sitcoms has now become soft porn. You can, billboards, as a father of a a young boy who wants to raise him in in a life where he hasn't been exposed to it. I can't even drive on Marifontaine without he asking me, Dad, what is is that bus about? That was Daniel and them, the the pleasures around them that that seemed to entice them everywhere around them. And then he told us to have resolve, give God the glory and the honor, Expect to constantly be learning. What was the fourth one? No, you can't answer that. Don't keep quiet. Speak when you have the opportunity. How do you, you stay a, a faithful one to what God has called you to so that your works when weighed by God has been effective for him in building his kingdom and bringing him glory. Remember that? So now chapter 1, Daniel and them have established themselves that they will not please themselves. They will not live for their own pleasure, but they will live for the pleasure of the one who has called them, who has made them, who has created them. And from this point, Daniel goes into this thing of being asked, well, well, actually not being asked, being told you're going to die because nobody of, none of the wise people can tell this king what he dreamt about. And he goes to the king and he says, hey, 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 give us one more. One more day, I would say. We're going to pray and we're going to ask. And I hold out that point one is when we are in the pleasure of God, when we are living to please Him, He works most effectively through us. Daniel 2 verse 48 to 49. Then the king gave Daniel honors and many gifts. And he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon. And he was the chief prefect of all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hannah, Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah 
over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained in the king's court. You see, when, when you do and you're found busy with the things that God wants you to be busy with, you are in his pleasure. He is pleased with you. And when you are pleased with him, or when he is pleased with you, it paves the way for favor with man. If we had the rewind button and we can go and change things and we can say, okay, let's see what the outcome is. If the four young ones decided to indulge in the pleasures of Babylon, would, do you think that the king would still have taken Daniel serious when he came to him and he said to him, give us one more day? But because he did what was pleasing for God, he stood out among the, the, the peers, another P. And he was able to, to speak into a context that he wasn't supposed to speak into. He was going to be one of many. Yet because he lived for the pleasure of the creator God, he stood out. And he was able to have favor with man and say, God, give me something for this nation. Question. Are you busy with what pleases him? Now I'm re-preaching Lainey's message, but I think it's worth asking yourself. Are you contending in your own strength for, for favor with man? I think uh, maybe I, it's just unique to me, but I'm, it, it is easy for me to fall into the, the thing of what pleases man. And how, how can I be accepted? What can I do to be accepted? Like the easiest thing for me to get like agree with Terry so that he doesn't reject me. I just tell him what he wants to hear. I was confronted this week with a scenario where am I going to stand for what I I stand for, or am I going to do what is pleasing to man? And God gives me a, another prophetic word to say, stand, and and it'll be okay. Stand. What you're doing is it's pleasing to me. The pleasure of God is more important than the, the acceptance of man. We live for his pleasure, not for man's acceptance. And because of that, we have favor with, with man. Point number two. Who wrote it down? Promotion. <laughs> and this is Daniel 3. This is an, an interesting one. I, I must say, I lose myself sometimes in research. But this is an interesting one. Can I share a little bit of trivia with you guys? Okay. Let me get my pronunciation right. So there is an ancient religion. Zoroatrianism. Yeah, you will know because you're Parsi. Hey. <laughs> it's from the prophet Zarathustra. It is the ancient religion of the, the Persians, Babylonia. They're also known as fire worshippers. Did you know this? For the, the Indians among us, it would be the Gujaratis. They believe in purification through fire and holy water. And in 
Iran, it's still practiced. About 2.8 million followers of this religion, according. You know that image of Persia with the chiseled beard and then the wings behind it? That, that man. That would be the, the image of the prophet Zeratustra, or I can't pronounce the, the Persian name of it or the, uh, the, the name of it. And, and, and this is what was prevalent in the day of Nebuchadnezzar. So it wasn't just that he stood up the morning and decided, today I'm going to build an image of a man, and I'm going to build a big fiery furnace just out of the blue, and the nation went, oh, oh, what a surprise. It would have been part of the, the tradition. They would have purified things through fire. They would have worshipped Murtuk, you know, the god of that, that would have been the... The Atar and the Asa, the water and the fire. It's fascinating stuff. But don't get caught up in, in that like I did. So they would have, this would have been the image that he would have erected because him as the king would have been expressed in that image. So the image that he had was the prevalent idol of the day that he told them to worship. For everybody in Babylon, it was the accepted norm to worship this one. So again, it wasn't like it was a big surprise. Hey guys, come. Today we are now bowing before this thing with the wings. There would have been a furnace. Because read one of the, listen to one of these quotes from their writings. For one, the person who sacrifices unto fire with fuel in his hand is given happiness. So the accepted norm was you went with something to throw into the fire and, and that was your, your thing to happiness. So you take your full salary this month, you draw it in, in Nelson's and Mandela's and whatever you call the notes and you burn it and hallelujah, you've got happiness. That is what they believed. So on this specific occasion, he gives instruction that this thing be be. Heat it up so much that it will consume flesh in seconds. These youngsters say, sorry king, we will not bow down before you. Even if we burn today, we will not bow to you. Now we look at this, this context. So you look at this portion and you think it's about God's divine protection, don't you? Because the youngsters were in the fiery furnace walking around with another figure and they didn't even smell of smoke. But I want to tell you, in the context of the day, this passage is something about God's promotion. He takes what is the accepted norm for the, the population. Something is purified when thrown into the fire. He throws three of his servants and say, we will not bow to this Murtok, idol of yours. And he throws them into the fire. And they come out on the other side. They have passed through the fire, the practice of, and the norm of the day. And they walk out the other side, still saying, our God is the true God. Their declaration of faith in God was purified in the, everybody else's mind on that day. Everybody that saw this thing knew that they had to die instantly. 
Yet God uses that moment to say, they have declared before they went into this fire that they shall worship no other God. They come out the other side and everybody has to say, well, they have been purified. So what they believe must be solid. Am I confusing somebody here? Another analogy. If you take dirty water with debris in it, and you throw it through a sieve, and what goes in the top is dirty, and what comes out at the bottom is purified. That's what the fire did in the eyes of everybody that stood there and looked at those three guys being tossed into the fire. According to them, they were dirty, they were disobedient, and they were chucked in the fire, and they came out pure. And in that instant, God promotes them because they stood the test of the fire. Do not discount the test that you are going through. For God will work it to his glory. You will go in declaring God is my God on the one side. You will go through the test. And you will walk out with a greater testimony on the other side saying God is my God. You would not have changed. But what people see about God would have been altered for eternity. It was a promotion moment for Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Third P. Protection. Let's revisit another story. These evil guys say, Daniel, we're going to get you. King, this is now the new king, King, king Darius. So the kingdoms have, have now been taken over by other kings. And they say, but you know what? Let, let nobody worship God for 30 days. Laney also spoke about it last week. And if anybody does, they will be thrown into the lion's den. Daniel still goes on. Remember what point this was with Lainey? It was the one where she said, which one? Don't just give up for 30 days. <laughs> it's the easiest thing to do. No compromise. Stand strong. You know what is so beautiful is that Daniel has been such a, a good servant in the house of the king that the king, it says that he went and he searched for a way to save Daniel's life. The same king that made this silly decree that says you shall not worship anyone but me. The same one that does that goes out because of the, the pleasure that Daniel has with God and that he has, has proven. He goes and he searches for a way to stop his own decree from happening, but he cannot. Because the law of the Persian and the Medes are supreme to everything. Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den and you know what happens. He comes up again. Daniel 6 verse 21 to 23. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. May God send his angels, my God sent the angels and shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king. 
I've done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. They have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. Daniel experienced the protection of God. Because he was blameless before God. And he was blameless before the king. I'm not going to say today that for you to experience the protection of God, you have to have a perfect love, a perfect life, a perfect whatever. God's perfect acceptance and love of yours is sufficient for the protection. sufficient where the thing comes in is do you stand in that perfect love and acceptance and pleasure of God when you are in front of kings when one of the elders stand talking to you does your story and your voice and something changes because they are seem to be more holy and righteous I'm laughing because I know myself and I know I'm not more holy or righteous. When you stand in front of a priest. When you have to, if you you think you were ever in the presence of Mother Teresa. would, Would you change? See, this protection is not just from physical harm. It is this protection of this moral decay. That so easily slips in. Comes and says, it's okay to compromise on this. It's okay to compromise on that. It's okay to say, I'm going to do something and not do it. Because I can justify it. I was busy, man. We have a busy life. Are you the same before God that you are before man? And are you the same before man that you are before God? Can you do what you do front of man in front of God are you in his protection in that way or are you out the fourth one prosperity Daniel 6 verse 28 says so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian one simple verse he prospered. Can I be a little bit challenging this morning? Anybody ever just ask for God to bless them? <laughs> Financially, Lord, please. And what I put my foot, feet on, I claim it, Lord. And God, the wealth of the wicked worldwide will flow to me. Does, does, is, is, is it sounding familiar? Do you think that it was prosperous for Daniel in every area? You know the first thing that they would have done to a youngster that was collected from his nation to have tryouts, if I can use that word, to become a wise man in the courts of the king. They would have taken away his fertility. Castrated straight away. 
Do you know what was one of the key things for a Jewish man? What is his inheritance? His children. Yet he is described as this Daniel prospered. Land. In the land of his fathers. To work and supply for his family. Do you think Daniel had a mighty ministry in Babylon? Ach, don't stress. They are, they've destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. But hey, I'm in the king, king's court. I will just rebuild the temple in Iran. And then for my season, it will be called Daniel's Ministries International. Tabernacle of Faith. Yet, what do we know Daniel as? As a prophet of God. Do you think he had the privilege of speaking the revelations that he got from God, the prophetic visions that he got to his people? Do you think he was able to go to Bloom and pray with his countrymen for change in their own hearts so that their nation can be affected? This Daniel prospered. Puts a different spin on our take of prosperity. Because if somebody cannot have children, which is culturally deemed to be a sign of, of wealth and legacy, but he's still described in the Bible as a prosperous man. Does, does it perplex you, another P, or just me? I think God wants to wash on turbo cycle, extra bit of rinse, with some whiting agent, our thoughts on prosperity. Because I do believe in our society, prosperity has become something that is measured in financial standards and not biblically the way it should be. You see, if you can live in the pleasure of God despite your circumstances, He will promote you and purify you and vindicate you because you are in His protection and for your own prosperity. If you can stand like Daniel did and despite onslaught and onslaught, you think you're alone in the business world when God is putting, like your subordinates are ganging up against you to get rid of you in your position. That is exactly what Daniel went through. He was the head of the wise men, yet they were the conniving ones that went to the king and said, hey king, don't you love yourself so much that you want to put a decree for 30 days? You think politics in the corporate world is a, is a 21st century thing. It is age old because pride is age old. But if you can stand despite onslaught, after onslaught, after onslaught, saying that I shall stand for my king and for his pleasure, then you are a prosperous person with rich rewards in him.
2017, Daniel lived 605 before Christ. And we, you and I, are reading what he has written down. And it means a lot to us. What he stood for encourages generation after generation after generation. Because Daniel, this man Daniel, prospered in God. I want to say that if you prosper at that level, prophetic insight is a natural thing. And that is why he was able to write such accurate things about what is to come. For those who want to grow in the prophetic, grow in your biblical (laughs) prosperity before God. Last point I want to make. Through each one of my P's, the first one being pleasing. There's a point of humility and there's a point of praise. Point of humility, they come and Daniel says, I've got the dream of the king. It took nothing. It, it, there was no rule. No, no one else except the three youngsters knew that Daniel had found out this vision from God. He had all the, the, the platform set, the, the ground laid for him to say, Oh, king. Yoo-hoo. I know your dream. What does Daniel say? He says, King Nebuchadnezzar, no wise man, no astrologer, no sorcerer can ever know what you have dreamt. But the revealer of mysteries, the God, the only God, has revealed it to me. And this is what he has said. Point of humility. You know what Daniel's point of humility leads to? King Nebuchadnezzar saying, let it be known that Daniel's God is the only God and the only king. We look at point number two. What was my second P? Promotion. They go to him and they say, King, we, we will humble ourselves before you, but we will not bow down and worship you because that is only for our God. They walk out of that fire and he sends a decree Let's just read it. It's in chapter 4. It says, it starts at 4, 1, 2, 3. King Nebuchadnezzar to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs, how mighty His works. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion endures from generation to generation. The third one, protection. It starts out by a king saying, I, how do I, he goes on his knees and he says, how do I save my friend Daniel? It's a point of humility and ends up again saying, another decree by the law of the Persians and the Medes, everybody shall worship the king of Daniel. Shall we be a congregation, a people, a body of Christ, that there is a lot of humility in our midst? And it's not something that is forced on us from the front. We have to say, or one of the elders say, come on, bow down on your knees. We're now going to humble ourselves before God. But in everyday living, may we be a people that are reminded that it is, it is fitting and honorable to, to humble ourselves before our King. Not because of anything for ourselves, but for those in whose spheres of influence we move, that they will rise up and give praise and glory and honor, an 
homage to the one who deserves it all. I'm going to ask you guys to bow down. I know some of you are very stressed now. Um, It's okay. But I'm going to ask you in an attitude of humility for a few quiet moments to see God now. To ask Him, what do you have? God, what what has caused division between me and you? What has has caused a, a disconnect between me and you? And in all humility, God, I'm sorry. This morning, let it be a, a moment of humility between you and God. Not between us and, and you, but between you and God. To seek His face now and say, Lord, what do I need to repent of? And what do I need to restore? To walk in pleasure, promotion, protection, and prosperity in you, God.